You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. This is Dr. Phil Klein. Today we'll be discussing how to incorporate fiber-reinforced composite into your bulk filling and core buildup regimens. Our guest today is Dr. Matt Najad, an expert biomimetic and aesthetic dentist practicing in Beverly Hills, California. He is a fellow of the Academy of Biomimetic Dentistry and serves as a scientific advisor to mentor and train dentists. Dr. Najad is a consultant for several global dental companies and continues to lecture nationally and internationally. Dr. Najad, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Phil, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So treating a cracked tooth or dealing with a, a tooth that where a large amalgam has been removed has always been somewhat of a challenge. And we've gone through stages uh, over the years exploring different combinations of materials and seeing what works best. But now there there is something relatively new, uh, a material that kind of flows. It has unique properties in that it flows, but it also stays where you put it. And it's also reinforced. Um, and this is referred to as kind of like a short fiber reinforced composite. Can you tell us a little bit about this and um, what type of fibers are we talking about that's, that is being added to this composite? It's funny because this is one of my favorite topics. And I was just uh, talking a lot about this with my mom yesterday and fellow dentist. My mom's an engineer, so it's really interesting to me to see the applications in structural engineering work their way into dentistry. So conceptually, these fibers are uh, glass fibers in this product, for example, and they're silicated, so they get a strong bond to the matrix. And so you have these strong glass fibers. They act as like a filler, but they also have really remarkable properties for how they uh, improve the fracture toughness of the material and they prevent from stresses from con concentrating, really good at deflecting stresses from getting to a crack and making things worse. So this product, obviously this product and many other products are developed based on the needs or the challenges uh, a dentist may face in the clinical setting. What was happening in the past with existing composite materials that were used as bulk fills and buildups? Were, were we seeing more failures due to fractures? Uh, if you ask me, yes, because I mean, the, the problem with adhesive dentistry right now is that you can say you're doing a technique, but it depends so much on how it's done and the materials you specifically use. So not all bulk fills are the same, not all fillings are the same. And the problem was with a lot of bulk fills, their strategy to overcome shrinkage stress is to lower the modulus of the material. You make a more elastic material and it's going to give you less shrinkage stress, but it's not giving you the properties of the tooth which you're trying to mimic. You're trying to make the tooth have its structural integrity and its normal function, normal cuspal widening under loads. And with bulk fill composites, especially ones that are branded as such, you might be able to get away with clean margins, but you're not going to necessarily get away with the structural integrity of the tooth. But this type of material gives us the opportunity to get the structural integrity and a clinical application, which is manageable even in a bulk fill application. So this is kind of truly a dentin replacement material, is it not? Yes, it's really a perfect dentin replacement because whereas a lot of bulk fill materials are lower than the modulus of dentin, this is closer to that. And because of the fibers and the fracture toughness, that's what makes it really remarkable because it's able to minimize cracks that would spread from enamel 
from getting into dentin. And so it's a ideal material for dentin, but it's definitely not your enamel replacement layer. For enamel replacement layer, you need to cover with a regular composite or a indirect restoration because the surface quality of this is not such that it's meant to be exposed to the external environment. It's, it's rough, you can feel the fibers. It's meant to be the dentin replacement only. Right, now are there several short fiber reinforced composites out there on the market? Because we haven't even talked about the name of the product yet. And I know our audience is probably curious what that is, but uh, I, I believe we're talking about Everex Flow specifically is what you've tested and used from GC. Are there other options out there or, or is it pretty much Everex Flow? You know, it's a good question. As far as I'm, you know, it's interesting because one of my mentors, Pascal Manier, was telling me years ago there was other fiber, the class of materials I call, you know, fiber reinforced composites. And years ago, there was other options. But as far as I'm aware right now, we have fiber materials, but they're not part of the composite. They're separate fibers such as ribbond. But as far as fiber reinforced composites, the only one I know is the Everex family of materials. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I recently saw a video. Uh, I think it was on the GC America site, and they showed this in a clinical case. It was really fascinating to see how this material handles. I guess its thixotropic properties are pretty outstanding. Can you talk about that briefly? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really unimaginable because when you dispense this, you're expecting it to be ultra thick because of some of the properties. You expect it to be very hard to manage. But when it comes out, it's actually... Very interesting because it's not quite a regular flow. It has a certain consistency where it squirts out real fast, but then when you stop putting pressure, thixotropic, it actually stays exactly in place. And while I'm not using this for like, let's say, um, a lining or a sealant, that's still very useful when you're trying to be very precise where you're applying it, spread it around a crack. And um, when it comes out, you actually see the fibers sticking up through the, you know, the resin matrix. You actually visually will see it if you're wearing loops, you'll notice fibers sticking out of the composite. It's a little hard to see with the naked eye, but with loops around four or five X magnification, you'll notice that very easily. Yeah, and just out of curiosity, I'm a retired endodontist, so my my restorative knowledge is not even close to what it, where it should be. Uh, and I'm certainly not gonna com even compare it to yours. But um, is this material, because it's reinforced, can we say that it strengthens the tooth in a way where I'm not saying it, you know, precludes the need for full coverage or an onlay, but does it? I mean, are there instances where you can actually use this material and not need a crown? Well, that's that's exactly where my. Uh use of this material comes in. So I've been doing crown alternatives my whole career, onlays, inlays, even on root canal treated teeth, we do full coverage onlays. It's what I learned in dental school. But what happens is certain teeth that are really having a lower prognosis due to either cracks or symptoms that are associated with cracked teeth, on those ones, I'm looking for everything possible to restore the integrity. And doing an indirect bonded restoration is certainly one way to do that. But doubling that up with additional techniques, like I would use this under my onlay in a technique called immediate dentin sealing and resin coating, where it gives us the strongest bond to the tooth. And I'm still going to get an onlay over there to really restore the integrity, but I'm trying to strengthen the tooth in a way where stresses don't concentrate. Tensile stresses into dentin that lead to cracks 
are avoided and the fiber will definitely help do that, especially when it's combined with gold standard adhesive and a good restorative technique, whether it's a direct restoration or indirect. And people are using this for endo-treated teeth. You know, a really interesting article I got to tell you about, my mentor Pascal did a study and he's always done studies on um, his testing environment is always the same, you know, like he has the same prep design, like this one MOD that he uses in a lot of studies. It's five millimeters wide, five millimeters deep. And he's always tested that as like a very structurally compromised tooth. And he would look at it with a direct and inlay um, varieties of direct techniques where you put like glass ionomer as a base, a super closed sandwich. And basically long story short, nothing performs like a, um, a indirect inlay material to restore the integrity of this large defect. But in a recent study, with the use of the Everex family of products, he found that a direct composite, direct restored technique that had Everex as the dentin replacement and so on, performed just like the inlay. So it's actually opening up, the, so it literally survived the whole range of his fatigue tests, performed identical to inlays and uh, uh, something called a semi-direct, which is an inlay that you make yourself, chair side, you know, you take an impression and make it. So it's the first time ever that the direct material performed, the direct technique performed the same. So it does definitely strengthen the tooth and it's really creating a new uh, opportunity for direct restorations to compete with indirects. Yeah. So in that study, when you say the material compared similarly to an inlay, which was which is yes. indirect, but not an onlay though. In this particular one, he was looking at so large MOD defects, only restoring them with you know okay. how can you restore them with intracoronal restoration? So right. everything was in. But he has other examples of onlays, but not with this particular product. But he's had a series of papers on this exact configuration mm -hmm. for the past five or six years. You know, always trying to find what's the best way to do an intracoronal restoration for a very large defect. Yeah, it'd be interesting to me as a as an endodontist um, to evaluate where the line needs to be drawn based on how much tooth structure is remaining when using this type of um, short fiber reinforced composite. In other words, you know, if you have a shell, a total shell, you got to put a full coverage crown on that, you know, especially if it's en been endodontically treated, even with this short fiber reinforced composite. But it'd, it'd be interesting to find out some software can detect that, you know, can actually scan the tooth and say it would pass you know, a tooth that would just require dentin replacement with the composite on top and not go with an indirect. Uh, just a thought. Yeah, you know, I think that that's certainly, we're on the horizon of that right now. And uh, without getting too much into it, I think there's a lot of cases that even with a shell, that a an approach that utilizes adhesion and tries to mimic the properties of the tooth can actually be better than a crown. You know, you don't have much left after endo and then you prep for a crown. And there's a lot of science on this topic, but the problem is it's not all comparable. You know, you get a strong bond and you have a good, well-bonded core and the way the stresses, this is my engineering side. So stresses will transmit better when something is bonded well. And people always say, I have a crown, it's not gonna matter, but it does. Stresses will concentrate at the bonded interface and and the stronger that bond is, the better they transmit. So what I was going to get at is we're right on the horizon of being able to do more direct techniques for even the most structurally compromised things. But I draw a conservative line in my paradigm of going indirect when I need the maximum 
restoring of the structural integrity. But for me, indirect is the only, not the crown. You know, so I'm doing a lot of cases like that. But I think that we're not too far from directs. It's just we don't know for sure. And I would rather double up my approach and get the benefits of both the fiber and the indirect technique. So yeah. that's been something that I've been doing for a long time. Yeah, that's great judgment call. And I, I agree with that philosophy totally. I just think that this type of technology that EverX Flow is bringing to the table here is, is just a phenomenal opportunity for those demographics where they just don't have the means to go for these types of crowns that are, you know, I don't know what they cost these days, $3,000 for a crown. Uh, I'm not, I'm not right. there's yeah. many, many individuals that could benefit from this short fiber reinforced composite without going oh, to, yeah, just from the standpoint of economics, which is a great service to our patients. I've been an advocate. I, I did research on this product, this, this class of products. I've done research. It's not published, but it is in the process of being, we were writing it up and it's just hard to find the time, but I've looked at shrinkage stress and polymerization stress and found that these materials really make a difference in how much stress is going to be transmitted to the tooth. And then when you see the studies show that it performs well. And my conclusion has always been, this is really a strong class of materials. And I've been asking them before it was available here to make it available. And I said, look, if you're not going to do it, sell it to me. You know, like I was joking, but like, right. it's one of the products I would invest in. Like if I had to pick a class of materials that makes sense to me, it's this fiber reinforced class of materials. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Uh, let me know where to invest as well. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's interesting you're, you're from an engineering family because I graduated uh, from Penn Engineering undergrad before I went to oh. dental school in, in material science. You know, obviously the short fibers from the standpoint of mechanism is to, is to redirect the forces, right? No force focuses in one particular area. Is, is that kind of the that's, theory? It, my theory is that that's a part of it as well as... Uh, so for the higher modulus, it has a it has a low shrinkage amount and a low shrinkage stress, but not the absolute lowest, but the absolute lowest for its modulus. So for being a, a stiffer material, it's really exceptional that it's able to do that. And it's also got a very high modulus or stiffness for a flowable just in general. You know, it's really right. remarkable. It's gear 10. And that's that's like there's a lot of restorative composites especially the bulk fill class that are half of that four or five or six. So I think it's a combination of its ability to get a strong bond because of the polymerization uh, stress by those fibers, I think really minimum, like I've always said, if you had to have the relief of shrinkage stress, the best place for it would be slipping along fibers like this. So the resin matrix is trying to shrink, but these fibers might allow some slippage that minimizes the shrinkage stress. And then on top of it, there's the mechanical aspect of how forces will come and bump into one fiber, next fiber, and really avoid a concentration that leads to a, a strong tensile stress. And that's really the big problem with alloys that cannot be addressed with direct bulk fill materials because the tooth still bends and flexes much more. There's enough studies to show that the direct restored tooth that's uh, badly structurally compromised, it, it, it bends and flexes under the same load as a normal tooth, several thousand percent more than like mm. the intact tooth that yeah. you're comparing it to. And that's just huge. The fascinating thing about this product, what I heard was with all the great physical attributes that you've just explained is the handling, the handling yeah. that goes along with this, because, you know, the number one attribute of a direct material in the hands of a dentist is handling. They're not going to purchase a product if it, if, if it just handles poorly. 
no matter how great it is, right? I mean, I'm not a restorative dentist, but you know, I have dealt obviously with lots of composites in my day as an endodontist. This handles so well and can be adapted to the tooth so well. What does it have, like a five millimeter depth of cure? Um, yes. As a bulk uh, film? The, the bulk film material has that option. The dentin has a little bit less. I believe it's three or I think it's three millimeters for the dentin shade. I would say, unfortunately, handling is always the most important thing. I try to look past that and always like I, I, I'm a guy that uses PMMA acrylic and instead of using Vistacryl because it's a better material, but it's harder to use. But, you know, I want to master those things. But it is nice when you get the best of both worlds and it handles well. And it, what that means to me is like it's very useful for a broad range of things. You can use it as a liner under a class five. You can use it as a liner under an indirect because I always seal on preparation day. Some, it's a technique called immediate dentin sealing where you're bonding to dentin. And when you come back to do your inlay, onlay, whatever it is, you air abrade and now you're bonding to the enamel and the already sealed dentin surface. So it, it can be used for that. It can be used for a bulk fill. It can be very good for blocking out undercuts, which is something I do a lot with indirect restoration. So really the the full range is what makes it important. And there's nothing more frustrating than finishing a beautiful restoration to find a void. So the handling and the adaptation is like a huge win in that department. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, are there any technique adjustments that need to be made because there's a fiber reinforced you know, component to this? Um, yes and no. So we touched on it. The only one is that you have to know that despite the shade and even if aesthetics don't matter to you, it cannot be exposed to the external environment. So let's say you're doing a class two composite. This would go between the box. You would have to build up the proximal wall or apply this in such a way that it doesn't get towards the, you know, proximal surface so that you still have room to restore and fully encase this in composite, I say regular composite, but I mean a restorative composite or an enamel replacement layer. You want something that's aesthetic, good properties, good polish, all that stuff, but it can't be this material. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, um, there's really no special precaution, even when you're talking about using it under an inlay or onlay, I treat it just like any other flowable that I would use for that step of resin coating. Right, so do you think this is like a new genre of materials that uh that's evolved here i i do you know i really i really do it's uh just like in engineering when you have a material and you want to dissipate the stress they're using like rebar inside there or they're using fiber layers and linings this type of thing with adhesive dentistry is something that has been on the radar of even my mentor for the past 10 years looking at fibers but it is the new genre of material. And I don't know if other companies will do similar things, but I do get excited thinking that if you could have a resin material that has the properties of dentin and the shrinkage gets less and less and the fracture toughness gets higher and higher, then we can really do direct techniques for a broader, broader range, much wider range of clinical situations. So I do think there'll be more development in this. It's either this or resin chemistry, but I think the both of them together is what's going to be some of the best materials. Yeah, very well said. Very well said, Dr. Najad. I really appreciate Thank your you. insight. We hope to have you on another podcast or possibly even a webinar coming up, uh, that would be great because your expertise in this is amazing. Um, and you're so tuned in to all the aspects of the research. And wh where do you practice? I practice in Beverly Hills. And yeah, you know, I really love this type of stuff. So like coming from an engineering family, I try my best 
to understand these things. I can't accept what I read online. I read the literature. I talk to my family about it, try to make analogies. And it's one of those things that really has been my interest since I graduated back in uh, 2010 now. Yeah. Congratulations. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you on this podcast. And we, as I said, hope we have you again. And thank you so much for your insight, Dr. Nishad. Thank you so much. It'd be my pleasure. Have a great evening.